0: Hello and welcome to The Rabbit Hole, the definitive developer's podcast in fantabulous Chelsea, Manhattan. I'm your host, Michael Nunez. Our co-host today, Dave Anderson, and our producer, William Jeffries. And today, we'll be talking about extreme programming. We have a special guest I'd like to introduce, Kevin Thomas. How's it going, Kevin? Hi, how you doing? Doing all right. Kevin is a consultant here at Stride who loves
1: extreme programming. He looks like a pretty extreme guy. Yeah. Uh, Bobby, yeah, Kevin's pretty extreme when it comes to extreme programming. What's the most extreme thing that you've done? <laughs> the
2: most extreme thing I've ever done is to I accidentally broke into a strip club <laughs> when I was uh, when I was very young. It was like we we're drinking on a rooftop and got like pretty drunk. <laughs> And uh, one of my friends said he'd never been to a strip club. And so we like suddenly had a mission. We, <laughs> hiked, we hiked like a mile away, to find a place. This doesn't sound accidental. This no, sounds no. very on purpose. When, when we got there, when we got there, it was, it was only like 1 a.m. or something, but it was closed. I guess because it was like 4th of July weekend. So one of, my, one of my buddies like grabbed the doors of the place and was like, kind of jokingly gonna be like no like really upset and i just came open like the deadbolt was sticking out like six inches oh man so we like wandered into this dark room kind of confused and like uh my friend who never to strip club was like fondling the stripper poles because he was just like it's a weird moment. Pretending, <laughs> my, my tiniest friend like jumped over the counter, grabbed the first bottle of liquor he could find, and like ran for it. And we we're like, "Oh yeah,
3: we just committed a bunch of crimes." Oh what? <laughs> we gotta get out of here. <laughs> so we all ran for it. Let me let me make this I, breaking and entering a little more extreme by adding some robbery, petty <laughs> theft, petty theft. Right. it's not robbery. Fair it's not robbery unless you're threatening somebody. I was for sure that you were
1: just gonna say programming, like extreme programming, like, <laughs> but you know that's, this is pretty. This is a more extreme. Real life, <laughs> so extreme programming is not breaking and entering into your client and programming
0: perfuse. I mean, uh, extreme. That's I want not- to
2: say it's called extreme programming, but it's not. It's not really that extreme. Like I think it's called that. It's kind of a, a marketing tool, but it's good because like it actually takes a lot of buy-in to work. And once you call it extreme, people know that like they really have to commit to it. So that's why it's called extreme programming. in My opinion.
0: Awesome. Yeah, it's, I mean, it- like that you want the commitment of everyone every player who's going to buy into this thing so you yeah. you load it with an extreme word like extreme well and like and
2: we're all in this together exactly like when you break into a strip club <laughs> <laughs> it,
1: it it does sound like more exciting than just regular programming too like if you're if you're going to sell it to someone it's like oh well you you just program like well i i, I do it extremely <laughs> <laughs> It's good, good for that sense of one-upmanship that, that can often happen, in when you're uh, having a conversation with other programmers.
2: But I think I think XP comes like naturally out of the Agile Manifesto. Like, there's also Agile principles that like go into more detail. Um, but the, the XP values are, are very compatible with the Agile values. Like, the most important thing first is to like see is communication. That's the first value. Just to like see to see software development as like inherently a communication problem. 'Cause like we always okay. work on pretty big teams, like with ambitious goals. And the the choke point is always like how well you can communicate, how well does your code communicate, can it be maintained, how well can you hand it off to the next person? Like it's always a communication limited.
0: Yeah, and I think like that goes back to like agile practices where it's like people over process when you want to talk to individuals rather than like chuck work over some Jira board and stuff like that. Like I just feel like when communication is healthy, like things can get done a lot quicker do you
1: have any other values you wanted to dive into uh
2: the next one is simplicity
1: that's also like people process like keeping it simple
2: i think it's just keeping things like extensible like if if you build the minimal thing the simplest thing that's the thing that can go in the most directions afterwards Mm -hmm. i like think about being extensible because if you predict what's going to happen and like start down a certain paths then you're actually making it less extensible because it's not simple enough
1: Mm -hmm. so even in your coding not just not just in your process in making the mvp
2: yeah i mean it, simplicity matters to the process too like if if you have too much process which is easy to do if everything's top down you don't get as much done and xp is more bottom up the third thing is feedback like a lot of these techniques are there to create immediate fast feedback loops like you're right there with your pair they can tell you if like you're doing something wrong if they have different ideas you want to go to the customer and the user as soon as possible to like get real feedback and like have someone to like orchestrate everything
1: kind of like the customer collaboration aspect of the Hedge manifesto actually talking to people rather than just assuming
2: yeah the fourth value is courage which in this case like it really means that you lean towards doing things versus not doing things because it's better to like do the wrong thing learn that that's the wrong thing if you, if you thought it was right at the time and then move on versus like doing a thought experiment you try to figure out what, you're, what, what the right way is. And then you're still wrong once you commit
1: to it. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of speaking to like the responding to change part of the manifesto, where you, yeah. you may not have an entire plan, but it's okay. It's going to be all right. Fair yeah, and be brave. It makes responding to change actionable instead of just
2: being an idea. And the last thing is respect. It's like understanding that like you're not really going to get that far if the team doesn't all want to succeed and get along with each other. Um, and you really need to like keep. Human. You need to keep human nature in mind when choosing how to do something well. Respect your team.
1: Like just understand the, the human process, I guess, like making sure that you're treating people as though they're like failable and real human beings. Have you guys done XP
3: like at a client? Yeah, I think you know the degree of success is debatable, but definitely done it. Yeah, I think I have some level of. uh,
0: I mean, I know it's either you're doing extreme programming or you're not. It's usually like the whether you fall into it or not. But I feel like uh, there was a client that I worked in that had all these things that you mentioned in the five values, and the communication was tight. The thing we were building was very simple. The feedback loop was there, including pairing and uh, one on ones. I was able to have the courage to speak up whenever necessary and as well as have respect for my peers as well. I think all of that all of those elements were there in this team and it's great.
1: Yeah, I guess like that that core element of the spirit of XP seems easier to capture than like the larger idea of it cuz I know there's a lot of practices that are associated with XP as well and sometimes it seems like okay, well we're doing TDD some of the time but not all the time and you know, if we're not doing it all the time then we're not really doing it.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you list out the values, like no one's gonna say no to that. But XP is more prescriptive than the other agile frameworks, and you get down to the practices, people do just immediately bristle. It is really hard. I mean, you can see it. Like, we work at an agile consultancy, but like very few of our clients do like do XP. Like they do. They mostly do some version of like. Uh, they do a lot of like planning and process and Scrum. That's like not not as courageous as XP. Yeah, I think if you really commit to XP, it is the best way to do things. Like, I really do believe in it. So XP is hard because you don't always know where you're going. Like You don't have an upfront design. Can you think of a time that
1: big upfront design blew up in your face? Yeah, so I've worked on various different clients in my life. And one of the most challenging ones was a validated Application where we had to have traceability and process uh, driving everything. So it's basically the opposite of XP in every possible way, very waterfall. You know, there's often a desire to have a plan up front to mitigate the risk and do the safe thing. So with really big projects like getting SAP online, there's a very big upfront design, a very big plan, and that plan often needs to change a lot. And despite like people's aspirations to mitigate risk, like you still need to adapt to change. So yeah, that was kind of like an interesting experience
2: because you don't have the big up from design and you're, you're writing software from the start. You're going to be doing the wrong thing and you have to be willing to like refactor and redo things all the time. Do you guys love refactoring?
1: I actually really do. Yeah,
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think knowing that you can make something better is always good, but I feel like knowing that you had to, introduce bad practices to get things out and then having to refactor that is probably more painful.
3: Yeah, I think that refactoring when there isn't any time pressure and you're just doing it to make the code more beautiful, that's a wonderful experience. Refactoring because you were under the gun and cut a lot of corners and you kind of have to pay off some tech debt but you don't really have enough time to pay down your tech debt, that's miserable.
2: I mean, that's that's the beauty of XP is like it frees you to actually spend the time refactoring because you have to be able to do it all the time the idea is, if you want to keep your code changeable, keep changing it. It's like if you let things get, get complicated and don't touch things for a while, they, they calcify, they can rot, they stop making sense. So and
1: the more afraid you are to change something, the more you probably should poke at it.
2: And the more practice you have changing it, the better you'll be at it. Which means you actually also need need to have like real unit tests, because if you're rewriting everything, you might lose functionality or like introduce bugs. So you really need like every corner of the logic to be explored as much as possible with. Like unit tests, doing test driven or test first development as much as possible. And also because you don't really know if you're building the right thing, you don't have like a specific plan that's been vetted by anyone before you start. Like you need to have someone to represent the interests of the client or customer, like on site. Make sure everything's working.
1: And I guess like also to engage them very frequently. Like not to waste their presence to but to like do frequent desk checks and and clarify assumptions as soon as they come up.
2: Yeah. You have a person to stand in for the spec, and also they can reach out to other stakeholders to make sure you're meeting their needs. So it's it's actually really important to have someone on the team who's not responsible for just building the thing, who's responsible for figuring out what should be built. And the testing and architectural process is also supported by pair programming.
1: Yeah, yeah, we've definitely talked about pair programming quite a few times on the podcast before. It's
2: great.
0: (laughs) Great way to get work done.
2: Why do you love it, Mike? Do you find it extreme?
0: No, no, I don't think it's extreme. I just think it's... It's like really, I find that when I pair program at a client, like it just you end up writing nicer code, which it it ends up in a pull request. Less likely that there's comments because everyone is working together to keep the code clean, and two heads are always better than one when it comes to solving problems.
1: Yeah, I I do feel like it is it is extreme in a way because like it is you you keep each other focused, and it's like a, a more focused kind of work. When you're doing it right.
2: It's it's really good because it, it cuts down on bugs or like doing the wrong thing because you'll have more knowledge about what needs to be done. You could double check each other's work. And bugs tend to be way more expensive than people think they are. And so the I think the only two things that are really extreme about it is pair programming all the time is exhausting. Like I think that's <laughs> it takes a lot of energy. <laughs> yeah, I feel
0: like if you're exhausted after eight hours of pairing, you're doing it right because it should be really exhausting.
2: And test driven development is extreme in a way because you have to imagine what you're going to build before building it and like work backwards. And that can be really hard for people to get used to.
1: Yeah, especially if you've never built it before and then like, trying to imagine a thing that's never existed. Well, I guess we're always building something that's never existed before. Otherwise, it would just be open source.
2: <laughs> yeah. You need these practices to support each other. I found a quote online by Matt Stevens at softwarereality.com. It was like, they had a big article... Claiming that XP was the wrong approach. And he says that XP is like a s- ring of poisonous snakes, daisy chained together. All it takes for one of them to wriggle loose, and you've got a very angry
1: poison snake heading your way. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, man. I really like that quote. It's, it makes it sound more extreme, actually. It's like very dangerous. But I, I'm not dissuaded. Like, <laughs> it sounds cool. <laughs> yeah.
0: But I do think, like, going with that quote, if you spend less effort or energy in any of the things that we discussed before then chances are it's just gonna break apart right like you aren't test driving things you aren't trust driving you aren't you're not test driving any of your features and like once if you do that if you introduce that like kind of behavior, then the whole thing kind of falls apart because you're you don't have any tests, so then you're afraid to refactor. So then you, your code's not changeable and then you can implement change in your code. Like and any, once you start, once that snake of not testing becomes loose, then the whole thing can just break apart.
2: Yeah. If you don't pair, you won't really have cohesion across your team. People are doing different things, like going their own way. Like you have those big fights too late. The feedback loops, loops are too loose. It falls apart. If you don't have an non customer to validate what you're doing, you're still going to build the wrong thing even if you have like a really energized team that loves each other. Um, You need not everything, but you need most of the pieces to fit together to
1: do XP well.
2: And it feels really good when you're doing it right.
1: So is there any like opinions that run counter to this poisonous snake ring theory for XP?
2: Okay, so I think people are scared of XP practice because it's it's hard. It's like doing it the right way, which is doing it the hard way. But the real reasons to do it, I think, are that XP builds trust. Like, you really trust your team. Like, you get more out of them. It builds morale. Like, you treat them like adults. If you really do the right thing from the start, your life is way easier because like people are always complaining that, oh, we did this like terrible thing in the past and like we weren't sure about it at the time and like we we decided never to fix it. We just pay that. You you pay that cost on the long term. So if you, pay, if you pay the cost of bad decisions once by fixing it, then doing the right thing the start is like the way to actually keep things cheap and simple and changeable. And you really have to like work with human nature. Like you have to work with your team, understand how people react to things and not just like not just like belittle them for like acting the way the way that humans do and having the imperfections that humans
1: do. Right. So XP, or like, is, try to work like process around how humans actually behave to stop them from doing things.
2: Yeah, you can't force them with process to not be who they are. It's actually better to trust them and give them some freedom. Which is definitely different from Scrum that we do with most of our clients. And for the most part, they are separate. Like Scrum doesn't prescribe as many practices as XP. And you can do a lot of those XP practices, but the things that are different are how you trust your team to get work done. With Scrum, you have to promise everything ahead of time. You have lots of little deadlines, but then deadlines will sometimes make you do the wrong thing. You're going to make compromises. Right. Or just not have time to refactor if there's, no, if there's not enough slack time.
0: Right. Like if you know, like if you, the fact that you're estimating, oh, we plan to make X amount of points because that's our average velocity. Definitely changes the idea that you will continue that you will refactor because you already have an average velocity that you want to hit every week. So because of that, you're kind of straying away from XP practices that allows you to refactor at that allows you to refactor throughout the course of the application because you want to make it extensible and better without time limits.
2: So in XP, you will probably look like the last two or three weeks of work that you've done and uh, get an average of like, how fast you think you're going. So you can still retrospect, you can still like, try to improve your process, uh, but you don't have to feel bad that like, you made a particular promise to do a thing and didn't live up to it. And XP is more compatible with Kanban compared to Scrum, but it has a different focus. Um, like, you still really want to prevent defects with good practice with XP just like Kanban, but Kanban is like, kind of just that chunk of... like. It's important to stop the presses, figure out where the choke points are. And XP is just like a more it's more holistic experience. Like it's the only Agile framework that really tries to do all of Agile and all the principles and do it all at once together. Comprehensive.
1: How would you handle like producing an MVP with with XP without a deadline or without you know, any promise to deliver at a certain time?
2: I mean you, you can still know how much time you have you have and like you can still make a like a burn-up that shows right. like how far you'll think you'll go in a certain amount of time. But the way around that is really to figure out what your most important features are and just do those first. Mm-hmm. And do, do the dependencies of those also first. So you still have to make some sense of your timeline, but like you're not going to do better than delivering the most important features as efficiently as possible, right. even if you did make that plan.
1: So the main way to do it is to discover what scope can be shed or what, what is like a nice-to-have versus a, a must-have.
2: Yeah, like you're you're gonna probably shed all the things that are low import, like low importance and some of the things that are medium importance and hopefully you can do all the things that are high importance. But if you do a more traditional approach, some of those high importance must have things end up towards the end of the schedule because you're because you're scared of them. And XP tries to solve that problem by using that strategy of like high risk, high importance things are first, so you can have clarity about like you so you can increase the clarity of how well you how well you're progressing by. Keeping lower risk, smaller tasks later. What are your favorite XP practices?
0: Pair programming. I think test driven development is a discipline that I've learned to appreciate and will enact whenever I can.
1: I, I really like sitting together in the same space. Like I kind of don't like Slack, and I like email even less. So if I can just like holler at somebody, then I'm I'm pretty happy.
2: That's my favorite one, the, like, efficient communication. Because if you're you're pairing, you're communicating all the time. It's it's more obvious to someone else whether they should interrupt you or not based on, like, whether you're in the zone because you're with somebody else. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I really enjoy about it is, like, emergent design and emergent architecture. It's hard to do if someone's, like, telling you what to do or giving you implementation details when they give you tasks.
1: Yeah, that's true. Like, kind of stressing that it's not frozen in time. Like, this is not the final pattern that it will be. But this is a pattern that works right now and we're we're happy with it. One thing I do wish I saw
0: more often is the customer involvement. I think like being there with the customer to tell you like the plus and minuses of like the new features that are coming out or that are currently released is like always cool to have. But I know not every place has or like spends time on that.
3: It's yeah. just really dope to have that. I feel like it's super rare. Yeah. yeah. That, that's
2: the courage piece of XP. That, like, people get scared of like showing it to somebody, so they want to wait until it's ready. But really, you would like make better decisions if you just did that first. You'd be told it wasn't ready, but you'd also be told what
1: direction to go.
3: It's also hard to get customers on site. Like, that can be a logistical challenge depending on what kind of customer you have. Yeah.
1: And I guess if you're more distributed and you, you can't get an immediate response from your stakeholder, then you're forced to make assumptions and. I can't speak for most people, but I often find that assumptions are things that will lead me astray and I'll have to rework when I finally do get feedback from the people.
3: And not all customers agree anyway. So I right. mean, if you just have the one customer, you're going to get a very biased perspective. <laughs> right. If you if you make an assumption, then you,
1: you have to end up selling that assumption to the customer. It's like, well, this is why it's really good. Like This is why we shouldn't change it, please.
2: Yeah, it takes a lot of buy-in. It's not for everyone. You also have to like hire and fire for people who have the skills, like programmers who actually want to pair all the time. People who can write the tests first. Can you guys imagine scenarios where XP is a bad idea?
1: Maybe if you're sending a rocket into space.
2: I always think about that. Like <laughs> you gotta yeah. you gotta
0: do it right once, if, or like a satellite or something. The stakes are
2: failure really high. Like if you're, for some like if you're doing like medical applications or things like. Might want a more careful approach if you're doing if you're building an operating system. Things have to be really correct and carefully designed. XP is probably not the right approach, and it can be hard on it can be harder, harder on teams with people of very different skill sets. It's a way to teach very quickly, but that can also be exhausting. And like if some of your team members don't feel empowered to speak, and if like especially for minorities or women, that can be a challenge. XP might be harder for them. And I've heard people say that like you shouldn't pair or do XP if like if it's just really really easy. I don't actually agree with that because bugs are so expensive and it's easier to make bugs when like you're doing something that's kind of tedious. Um, I think the opposite might be true. Sometimes you need like laser focus on something. It might be better to have one person focus on the problem if it's like really, really challenging and novel.
3: I think that if nobody has any idea how to solve the problem and you're just going to be reading documentation, you need to split up for that. You don't want to fight over the scroll bar.
1: Yeah. 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 Like then you're just finding context switching all over the place and...
3: Uh, yeah, thrashing on what the the thing is that you're looking at. Yeah, but once you have a general sense, coming together and experimenting makes sense. So, where else can people find out about uh, extreme programming?
1: Like, what are some good resources?
2: The guy who like invented the idea is Kent Beck, who wrote Extreme Programming Explained. It's like it's pretty concise and covers things really well. Um, I also really like the Art of Agile, um, that explains like why it's useful to a team and like like tells the story of how the transformation happens.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've read Art of Agile. I have a copy. It's, it's pretty great. Like I, I like how they talk about the paths that you can take to getting to a more extreme place.
3: Extreme.
1: And also he doesn't really use the word extreme, I guess, too often in that book. It's yeah, just, it's,
2: it's, it's not extreme XP specific, but like they talk about Agile and like XP is like the complete Agile. Right. As far as I can tell.
0: Follow us now on Twitter at Radio Free Rabbit so we can keep the conversation going. Like what you hear? Give us a five-star review and help developers just like you find their way into the rabbit hole. And never miss an episode. Subscribe now however you listen to your favorite podcast. On behalf of our producer extraordinaire, William Jeffries, and my amazing co-host, Dave Anderson, and me, your host, Michael Nunez, thanks for listening to The Rabbit Hole.